This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. What will you choose? No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Real EFL League Two podcast. I'm your host, Matt Olson, and uh, just to give you a little bit of information about me, if you can't already tell, I am, yes, on this side, uh, a Gillingham fan. Um, So, uh, obviously, they are the greatest football team in the world without a manager. Just like Bradford City, but we will get onto them a little bit later on. Uh, joining me, uh, as we, uh, as you can see, we have newcomer Alex. Alex, uh, hi, give us a wave. As you can see, he is also a Gillingham fan. And for those of you that uh, listen to the Real EFL podcast, you should know this guy. This is Charlie. Charlie, hello. How are you guys doing today? Yeah, I'm doing all right. Thank you. Um, glad to be on the League Two podcast. Yes, yes, the first of many, we hope. Alex, what about yourself? How are you getting on? I'm, I'm doing great, as long as we avoid the drilling all game. Um, this, we could have picked a better week um, to sort of bring this back. But, uh, alas, football's football and there is lots to obviously break down. And I'm sure everyone will have fun laughing at me and you crying over the start of the weekend. Well, yeah, generous duels strike again. Uh, Yeah, so we'll be talking about them a little bit later. So, yeah, on to yesterday's games. Uh, And obviously there were a few shocks that echoed around the League Two terrorists. Uh, Forrest Green uh, climbed off the bottom of the EFL as David Horseman's style starts to pay off. Uh, Wrexham's stunning comeback from two goals down to win late on at the race course. But we're going to start with our game of the day, and that is Notts County versus Mansfield Town. So Mansfield Town fought back to beat the League Two leaders and extend their unbeaten start to the season to 17 games with what I thought was a well-deserved victory. Uh, Guys, what are your thoughts on the game yesterday? Yeah, I think, to be fair, you've kind of summed it up there. And When I I watched the game back, I was really impressed by Mansfield because they went and sort of uh, stuck to their game plan. So if you you look at the stats, you'll think they've got away with one there. But if you understand sort of League Two football and you understand the way Nigel Clough likes his teams to play, it was absolutely fantastic. They, they were defensively sound. And I think Notts County, um, bar in the first half, that's where their two shots on target came came from. Obviously, their goal, one towards the end of it. They didn't really threaten Mansfield at all. And credit to them. They've been fantastic so far this season. They show why they are still unbeaten so far. Yeah, great. Um, Charlie, I mean, obviously, uh, Knots were unbeaten before the game, being uh, unbeaten at home in uh, five uh, out of five that they've played. What what do you think went wrong for them? I, I kind of think Alex sort of mentioned it, the fact that obviously Mansfield, really impressive. They, they're really strong defensively. They have their game plan. They know exactly what it is that they want to do. The idea of you know going undefeated. I think Knots County, 
we all know how good they are on the ball in, terms, in the attacking phases. I don't think we saw enough of that yesterday. But at the same time, we also know how weak they are defensively. I think, for example, if you look at the first Mansfield goal, I think it was Brindley who just lost his man on the back post, literally gave Mansfield the open opportunity to score. And a team like Mansfield aren't going to need to be asked twice for that. I think what I was actually really impressed with, first of all, with Notts County was their goal. I think it showed a real passion and desire, the fact that they were the players were all rushing into that penalty area to try and get the goal. They've got clear goal scorers that all want to be in that six-yard area. But the problem is, is unless you've got the ability behind that and sort of at the, at the back as well, you're not going to be able to get out of this league as easily as you'd want. So there's a big kind of question mark now over Notts County because we've seen it week in, week out. Their mantra is, we will score one more than you. But when they come up against a defensively sound side like Mansfield, they struggle. So how often is this going to be the case throughout the season? Yeah, I mean, I suppose if you obviously look at their, their record so far this season, yes, I mean, currently they're sitting, uh, was it third in the league uh, at the moment, or was it second? Um, but they've conceded 25 goals. You know, that, that's mm. that's a lot for a team that wants to be going for, for promotion. Do you, not, do you guys not think? Yeah, absolutely. It reminds me a lot. Um, I think, was it Leeds in the Premier League coming out of the COVID season? I remember that they had like their first six games or something were like four raw draws and five, four losses and five, four wins. Thing is, it's a great spectacle. Notts County fans, or well, maybe not Notts County fans at the minute, but neutral fans are going to be absolutely loving it, being able to see sort of so many goals in a game. But you can't sustain being top or near top of the league if you're conceding as many goals as they are. You can't always rely on being able to score one or two more. What happens if David McGoldrick, Langstaff, Dan Crowley, what happens if two of those three suddenly get injured and are out for a month or two? Suddenly then they're going to lose that attacking impetus, but they're still going to be leaky in defence. It's a real issue that it's it's great to be able to see it happening, that the games are really exciting, but it can't last for the whole season. Yeah, I mean, Alex, um, obviously, I know the game isn't uh, talked about on paper, but again, you look on paper, Notts County have got a very, very good team there going forward. I actually um, was quite surprised. Uh, I had a quick look at the stats. Um, Notts County only had nine shots at home. You know, were they that poor going forward? Were were Mansfield that good defensively? I mean, I, I feel that um, Notts were quite, quite poor defensively. There was a couple of the goals where... Again, I, I think certain players maybe should have stepped up and, and made a tackle. But offensively, they just seem to not really show anything much yesterday. And could that be a sign of things to come going forward, or or do you think it's just a blip in the road? I I think Notts County's lack of shots comes more from Mansfield's performance than Notts's performance. Personally, I think that's more of a credit to Mansfield than a, a knock on Notts. Um, I think the game could have been completely different. The, the issue that you, you've you already alluded to, uh, Charlie, is that defensively they're not good enough. And if you look at the the first goal that they concede, it's poor from, um, I believe it's uh, Bolstock at the, at the left-back, where he loses the ball and then he's lost his man out on the other side. And then two goals from corners. And that, that Aidan Flint goal is, is shambolic. Uh, I, I'm not sure who it was, but lost Aidan Flint and just didn't want the ball. There was no desire. There was no want to get back it's it's a shambles and to concede two goals like that from corners in league two is, is massive and as, as you say the game's not played on paper so if you look at it on paper you think all oh, nine shots at home that's not fantastic but if you actually watch the game it's just a massive credit to Mansfield 
Also, if you're uh, Luke Williams at this point, you're thinking, I really need to do something defensively here because we could be in trouble a bit. Like all the, all the teams at the top, it, your main part of your, your game needs to be solid defensively. You can be as good as you want going forward. If you can't defend in this league, you will come unstuck at some point. And that is going to be Notts County's biggest issue this season if they want to do the double promotion. OK, well, look, as it stands after the game, uh, so, yeah, currently not sitting second. Uh, Mansfield are currently in third. So, yeah, it's getting quite tight at the top of League Two. Uh, so, let's move on to the next game. So, the next game is uh, one that I'm going to talk about. This is, for me, actually, I think a massive, massive result uh, going forward. It was Forest Green versus Colchester United. Uh, Forest Green uh, winning 5-0. Uh, so Forest Green climbed off the bottom of the EFL uh, and it was a stunning display, I believe, against Colchester United. Uh, Callum Morton opened the scoring just before half-time. Uh, Jay, uh, make sure I get this right, Jay Minji uh, was shown a second yellow card and uh, was quite funnily waved off, not only by the home fans, but even by the Forest Green players. I think that was uh, quite funny to note. Please go and check it out if you haven't yet. Uh, then uh, the floodgates opened. Uh, Carl McAllister, Matt Taylor and two from Matthew Stevens put uh, Forest Green five goals to the good up. Um, I think it was an excellent display from the guys. Uh, quite funny, I must say, after the end of the game at full time, uh, Connor Hall was spotted having a fiery confrontation with his own fans uh, after the final whistle. So, yeah, I do wonder what that was going about. Guys, did you manage to catch any of the game? Um, I haven't caught as much of the game as I would have liked unfortunately. Um, I've seen the goals um, and I mean it's one of those, at the start of the day if you'd have given me um, a game that I wanted to watch, I would have never in a million years picked Forest Green against Colchester. I don't think anyone would have uh, but, but fair play to them. I do think uh, as many times it does, um, red cards change games and, and ultimately change the game game yesterday after the obviously as you say the floodgates opened and um credits forest green but now the the real question is can they build from it you know okay you've gone and won five nil but now you've got to take it forward and build on that and um at the moment a lot of people look at forest green as this this nothing club they need to change that and this could be their opportunity after what is a five-star performance if you will Charlie, uh, I mean, uh, Matthew Stevens popping up with uh, another brace yesterday, which was great. But uh, uh, again, I don't know if you do manage to watch the show. I don't know if you've seen Forest Green at all this year. Uh, but I've got to do a massive shout out for Callum uh, Morton yesterday because I thought he was absolutely unbelievable. I thought he played his uh, played so well and seems to be a real good uh, sort of uh, purchase for Forest Green there. Yeah, Callum, Callum Morton's a player that I've sort of had on my radar for a few years because I... You know, full, full disclosure for everybody listening, I'm a Lincoln City fan. And Callum Morton was alone with us for his for our playoff season in, during COVID. He was injured for most of it, so didn't get anywhere near as many minutes as obviously he would like or we'd have liked to see out of him. But I feel like that bit, that kind of long-term injury actually stunted all of his development for a bit because he was really highly rated at West Brom and has now kind of you know dropped down into League Two and is, is obviously with Forest Green. But it's, again, I agree. I thought he was absolutely brilliant yesterday. And it's really good to see him doing well because I feel like he's the sort of player that's going to be able to thrive in a Forest Green sort of team at the minute. I think the 5-0 result, it's symbolic of the whole of League Two at the minute, isn't it? Because Forest Green being bottom of the table and getting a 5-0 win. There are other results where teams are lower down in the in the table and are, are get, put in three, four, five goals past teams much higher above them. 
it's a common occurrence in League Two at the minute, to the point where, you know, I, I, I look through sort of the form. One, only one or two teams have ever have had like a, a run of five losses or a run of five wins in a row. There's such kind of back and forth in terms of the amount of goals that are being scored for one team, but then conceded as well. And the fact that 5-0, you know, Forest Green won 5-0 yesterday just proves that point. Yeah, um, I've got to say, I think uh, a lot of the, the the score obviously did come down from the sending off of uh, Jamie uh, uh But uh, as I mentioned earlier, so Dave Horseman's style, uh, Alex, um, he, he's really getting that team to play well. I mean, over the last few weeks, like I say, I've gone back, I've watched a few of their games. Even when they've lost, they've not lost poorly. They, I think they play well and there does seem to be a good team there in Forest Green. Uh, do you think that they're going to be in trouble come the end of the season? No, I don't think they will. One one thing I'll, I'll say about uh, Forrest Green is I respect the fact that he's stuck to his style as well. Um, you know, you see a lot of managers that the second something doesn't go quite right or they're down at the foot of the table, they try something that's not... Um, they have this identity. You know exactly what kind of team you're going to face when you're facing Forrest Green. That's a massive credit to him, of course. And I think as long as he, he sticks to his guns and plays how he wants to play, we've seen it, obviously, uh, yesterday in that 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 way of playing can work and will get him points in this league. And I, I've got no worries about them being, they'll be down there, but I don't think they'll be one of the teams that go down this season. Uh, Charlie, I'm going to come to you for the, uh, the final question. And this is one for, for Colchester United fans. Uh, it's ultimately it's the same kind of question. Do you think they're going to be in trouble this season? Honestly, I think no. And the only reason I'm saying that is I still just feel like there's a few teams worse on them. And Forest Green... Again, you know, I, I very much put them in the sort of same bracket as Colchester, just as sort of Alex was alluding to in the fact that I think they are going to be safe. I think they're, they're not going to be anywhere near challenging the top 10, don't get me wrong, but I don't see them looking over their shoulder with two or three games to go. Although, you know, saying that, you do sort of think about their current form and they are in a bit of a bad patch with their only win in the last five coming against uh, Notts County with a 5-4 win, obviously, because it's Notts County. And uh, the game, there's always so many goals. But yeah, I do think they are going to be all right. But they definitely need to pick it up sooner rather than later. Otherwise, my uh, answer to that question will change. All right. Well, fair enough. Great, great opinions there, guys. So uh, that currently leaves Forest Green in 23rd position with Colchester United in 22nd. Uh, so, yeah, we're going to move on to the next game. And this one is on you, Charlie. This is MK Dons Barrow. So MK Dons 2, Barrow 2. Talk us through the game. Yeah, so this was absolutely heartbreaking for MK Dons fans. Um, they've obviously had a really, really tough run of it of late, not winning since match, you know, match week five. And they're 2 0 up at, the, at half time, they're 2 0 up at 90 minutes, but they're not 2 0 up come the final whistle. Two goals early on for Max Dean, you know, really, really well taken as well. I, I rate Max Dean a lot as a, as a young teenager, I think he's. He's got some real potential, and it's it was his first um, league brace actually yesterday, and I and I do just think that he's got the ability to be able to to play at a, a higher level, even you know, get into League One, League Two. But the fundamental issues with MK Dons and with Graham Alexander's team have unfortunately reared their ugly head again. First of all, they changed their system. This game, they decided to go to a back four rather than a back three that they have been playing recently, and it was so much better. The first sixty minutes, 
yes, okay, they didn't have anywhere near as much of the ball as they would maybe like. You know, they, they only have 39% possession over the whole game. But what they were able to do was control the game better. They didn't look anywhere near as shaky as what they have done in the past. Great. They're two goals up. Brilliant. Cruise it. Nah, you know, they're all right with where they are. Hopefully trying to get a couple more goals. 68th minute, Graham Alexander decides to bring off Jack Payne and uh, bring on, I think it was o Warren O'Hora. You can't be then going to a back five when you've had issues in that formation recently and you've switched to a back four and it's working. You can't then go back to what hasn't been working. It's the op He's doing the opposite of don't fix something because it's broken. He's found a fix and then decided to go back to the broken bit again. And it's really, really difficult to try and understand what the thinking was behind that. And, you know, Barrow, Barrow again, I thought they, they were brilliant. They were able to then push and continue pushing. They scored one. And as soon as they scored one, you just knew what was going to happen. And this has been a reoccurring issue with MK Dons. Ever since pre-season in July, they, as soon as they concede one, they just look like conceding again. And if you actually look at the stats, the amount of times they conceded straight after a, you know, a, a, another goal that they've conceded, it's far, far too high. And that's what's dropping them points. It's the consistency of not being able to reorganise as soon as they've uh, conceded. And you, that was evidenced by the defence yesterday. It was it was actually Warren O'Hara really with the mistake. Um, him and one of the other defenders, I couldn't quite make it out on the on the screen as to who it was. But they were both going for the same man and leaving somebody leaving somebody um, sort of free at the back post. It's just really really poor. It's the basics that they're just getting wrong. Graham Alexander's job is probably one of the most on the line in Leeds at the minute. I mean, obviously, when you look at the, the MK Dons team, it is quite a strong team. They haven't changed too much since uh, last season, really, have they? Um, obviously, uh, Alex, you'll know Jake Tucker, uh, ex-Gillingham player. Uh, obviously, he's now gone over to MK Dons. But you think it's potentially a lack of leadership at the back there that, that, that could be causing this? Or do you think it is just down to tactics from Graham Alexander? Hmm. Um, I... I'm going to, I think it's a bit of both, I'll be honest. I think it is a bit of both. Um, you know, we've alluded to the fact that they haven't really changed their, their squad too much from when they've gone down. And you've got to remember that squad got relegated last season and we see it oh so often when teams come down from League One, they struggle in that first season back down in League Two because it's a very different league and it's very hard to get out of. Um, I, I, I believe it is more to do with that Graham Alexander has lost one, I think he's lost his dressing room, and two, the fans. Uh, we've seen statements from them, we've seen endless amounts of rants from them. They don't want him at the club. And when you've got that culture of the fans don't want him at the club, the players are clearly not doing exactly what he wants them to do. And when they are, he's changing it. So clearly, he's, I just don't think he's the right man for the job. I think they've got a squad there that is more than capable of being up near the top, but they need the right man in charge of it. So, Charlie, I just want to bring this question over to you. Um, when you look at Barrow, they're a team that don't have a massive budget. They've got an excellent manager in Pete Wilde. Could they potentially be underdog this season? I said, with a manager like Pete Wilde at the helm, who's managed to get you know a really good tune out of this team, could they be a, potentially a slight outsider for, for playoffs, maybe? I think it wouldn't necessarily surprise me too much to see them sort of get that seventh place spot by the end of the season. 
I think they are a really strong outfit. And you know what what I like about Barrow is they know they know what they're doing and they do it well. And it's something that I really, really praise a team for. I was on the League One podcast last week and I said this a lot about Carlisle. And Barrow for me are really, really similar. They've got that game plan and they go into every game, you know, using it. When you look in their last five, they're you know, they lost against Mansfield 1 0. Okay, it's Mansfield, really strong defensive side. They only conceded one against them. You're always going to struggle to score against Mansfield. That's fine. They then beat Doncaster. You know, Doncaster had a good result to yesterday, as we'll go on to talk about. So, again, it's actually another good result when you look at the form of Doncaster. Then, you know, you think about the fact that, like you say, they got the draw against Notts County. Really impressive. And, you know, they only conceded one against Notts County. It takes a heck of a lot for a team to do that. And, you know, Mansfielder, one of the only other sides to do that so far this season. And then, yeah, I spoke a lot when I was sort of doing the run through of this game with, you know, just before that, about kind of the MK Dons and about their sort of ineptitudes. And it was the fact that it was their tactical failings that gave Barrow this draw. But that is actually really harsh on Barrow because I think Barrow never gave up. They consistently had a passion and desire to get back into the game. They were knocking on the door never really getting through. But then when MK Dons sat deeper and deeper in that second half and kept on pushing back, that wasn't just because they were choosing to sit further back. It was also because Barrow were pushing them there. So, again, really, really respect what Barrow are doing. I've always had a little bit of a soft spot for them in uh, in League Two. And it would not surprise me at all to see them, well, first of all, comfortably be in mid-table this season. And like I say, there is a small chance that they could potentially push further up. Well, there you have it. So MP Don's currently sitting in 16th and Barrow are currently in 14th. Well, time for us, but if you're a Walsall fan, I'm sure you will be smiling from ear to ear. Yes, Walsall 4, Gillingham 1. Alex, go ahead. Uh, where, where, where to start? Where to start? Um, you know what? I, I don't want to say that uh, Warsaw didn't deserve to win because they did. I think 4-1 probably flattered them. Um, it was more a case of Warsaw, although they looked okay, I don't think they looked that good. They were just clinical in what they were doing. And, and when they got their chances, they absolutely took them. Um, I've alluded to it um, over... The, the course of sort of chatting to you guys about this and anyone I've spoken to about the game, Isaac Hutchinson is absolutely fantastic. He he ran the game and and ultimately overall, um, you know, in the in the first half to, to go in two 0 up, the game. I don't want to say it was dead and buried at this point, but up until Macaulay Bond brings it back to three one after they score their third and second half. Jules didn't really look like they were there. Um, a lot of their their goals have mistakes in them from us. I think Hutchinson's second goal um, is Jake Turner's got to do better. That's at his near post. Defensively, we're not strong enough. Same with his first one. Same with uh, Freddie Draper's one as well. Overall, Gillingham weren't good enough. Warsaw were 10 times better on the day. Um, and it, it, to sum up our day, our caretaker boss sent off and left our goalkeeper coach in charge of first-team matters. You know, for a team that has ambitions of getting out of this league, we can't... How we're in this situation, I'll never know. But full credit to Warsaw. They were fantastic. Um, and Isaac Hutchinson, I have serious questions for the Warsaw management team and how they managed to keep hold of him in the summer. Because 
they must have had so many people trying to knock down that door. Um, but as I say, it's more of a case of, and I'm sure you guys will hopefully agree, that if we look at the Jill side in midfield, we weren't strong enough. In our tackles, we weren't strong enough. And overall, we just wasn't strong enough. Yeah, I mean, obviously, look, one of the things uh, as a Chippingham fan I can honestly say is I I believe before we've even played them, if we were playing Man United, we we're going to go ahead and beat them 7-0. I just believe that Chippingham were always going to play with heart, passion, pride. I didn't really see that yesterday from the guys. And look, this is, you know, I'm not I'm not trying to, uh, you know, to disrespect Walsall fans here because I actually think, say, Walsall did deserve the win ultimately after, at the end of the day. But like you said, I think 4-1 potentially flattered them. Um, Charlie, as a neutral here, I, I want to throw a question at you. Uh, and it's on the Gillingham front. Uh, I'm not going to try and make this all about the Jills, but obviously, as you know, <laughs> Gillingham are currently without a manager, having sacked Neil Harris. Uh, there's been a few rumours flying around. Uh, you might, I don't know if you've looked at any of the betting, but currently odds on favourite is uh, Steve Bruce. Now, uh, yeah, what, what 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 do you what are your thoughts? What would you think if if you had to pick a manager for Gillingham? Who would you potentially go with? Oh well, now there's a question. Um, I, but you know, I like you guys, so I'll say Pep Guardiola. Now, um, <laughs> look, St- Steve Bruce being favourite does surprise me a little bit. I've got to be honest. Um, but I, I can tell I can tell you quickly. He he did start his career at Gillingham Football Club. He, yeah. he got going because of us. So he it's connect. He has got connections with the club. Um, so that would potentially, you know, not be too, you know, from, from a Gillingham point of view. I don't think we would find it that surprising. But yeah. But then is that just is that just, la- is that just lazy reporting in the sense that that's the only reason that he's been sort of linked with you in terms of the betting? Because I find that's a very I, common occurrence, shall we say. I do actually know the real reason why, well, I, I know oh, the right, reason okay. why the betting was so high, because he was in the Medway, uh, uh, in the Medway area by the Gillingham ground, not for football-related reasons. It was for personal reasons. Um, right. I'm not going to get into it, but but I'm guessing somebody spotted him in the area. Uh, yes. But then all of a sudden, he's now becoming linked with us. I've heard there might have been talks um, but I don't know. For me, it doesn't feel very Gillingham. No, I, I would agree in that sort of sense. Um, look, I think I think in terms of the manager you're going to get, I'm not going to pretend like I'm going to be able to pick a manager's name because I'm not that up to date with who the, all the free agent managers are at the minute. But what I do think that you'll do is whoever you bring in is going to have to get you guys running at a top level very, very quickly. Um, I mean, I mean, you know, realistically, you probably want them in a little bit sooner now, considering the uh, the red card for the uh, for the caretaker man yesterday. I mean, first of all, what on earth was he doing? Um, absolutely hilarious to watch that as a neutral and see that happening. But yeah, what on earth is he doing? I think in terms of a manager for you guys, there are always going to be solid options. It's all about it's about what you're going to want. Are you going to want a sort of a, a man manager? You're going to want somebody who is more of a tactic. Tactician, I'm going to try and say the word properly and uh, not trip over myself. Yeah, you're going to want somebody like that. You're going to want somebody that's 
going to want to play a little bit more Route 1. It's the sort of football that realistically can get you out of League 2, especially at the minute. You're going to want somebody more defensive, somebody more attacking. There's so many different questions when it comes to wanting a manager. And the fans are always going to want a certain manager. The club are going to want a certain manager. And then there's only certain managers that would want Gillingham. No, no offence to Gillingham. So I think it's, it's a really, really difficult one. But like I say... I feel like the red card yesterday is probably going to just speed up that process a little bit more. I don't know whether you guys have a game this midweek. Uh, I'm going to assume not. Uh, I know that sort of Lincoln and other League One clubs don't. Um, so, yeah, maybe there's a chance that you'll have one in by next Saturday. What, what's your opinion on it? Well, first off, I've got to say on the red card, um, totally deserved, but also I do think he had no idea the player was coming and he was trying to stop the ball. But, but look, you know, silly red card. Uh, look, in my opinion, um, I, I, I th- I, they've come out and said, the Gallansons have come out and said they want to go in a different direction. So mm-hmm. what is going to be different from Neil Harris? Neil Harris wasn't really attacking. So for me, that's what they're going to want to go for. But the, for me, the argument would always be if you go really attacking, that leaves yourself open at the back. With Neil Harris, we were really solid at the back. And the old saying goes, yes, strikers win you games, but defenders win you championships. So that that would be my argument on it. Um, Alex, I'm going to come to you for the the last question here. Uh, And it's actually one for for, uh, based on Walsall, because you were actually at the game yesterday. Uh, obviously, I was unable to be there. I was had to watch, uh, obviously, the game via iFollow, which you don't always get to see uh, a, a player's full potential. But, look, we've got to talk about the hat-trick hero from yesterday. Isaac Hutchinson, we call it. Tell me, how good was he yesterday? Uh, I, I mean, I alluded to it in the sort of breakdown of the game. He, he I, I have this saying that I say all the time, he's unbelievably good at football. Now, look, to be a professional footballer, you've got to be good at football. But he's unbelievably good at football. He, you know, starts on the left, but he's he's everything you dream of in a left winger here, drift in the middle. He picks up the ball. Everything Warsaw did going forward went through him. And I would love to say that that's just a one-off occurrence. But every time I've watched him play, he's exactly the same. Even if he's at 50%, everything still goes through him. He is fantastic. And as I say, how Warsaw kept hold of him in the summer is beyond me. I know that, according to reports, there were League One clubs looking at him as well. So, I mean, I have no doubt that he's, he's I mean, he's 23, uh, if I'm correct in saying. There's there's no doubt in my mind he has the ability to go to the championship. You know what? Maybe even further. With, with the way that he understands the game, that he can dictate play, I have no doubt that he could, he could make it to the championship and maybe even beyond at some point in his career. He is... No, no offense to Warsaw fans, far too good for Warsaw. Yeah, I mean, I've been lucky enough to see him, uh, say, see him play a couple of times, and he is an absolute uh, amazing player. Uh, okay, one last quick question for both of you: it's just simple, yes or no? If a big team comes for him in January, does he stay? No, no, no chance. No, because I don't see Warsaw getting promoted this season. So no. No, no, that that's absolutely fair enough, guys. Well, look, uh, obviously after the game, obviously finishing four one, Walsall sit in thirteenth place, and Gillingham are in seventh. So, on to the next one. This is Wrexham versus Salford City. Wrexham winning three two, coming from behind uh, to win three two late on at the racecourse. Uh, Elliot Lee scoring 
uh, Stephen Fletcher and uh, Jordan Davis for Wrexham, uh, Matt Smith uh, scoring both for Salford. Now, um, Elliot Lee, first off, I've got to say a massive shout out. That guy is a machine. Uh, uh, Alex, obviously, we were lucky enough to see his brother play Robert. Uh, as, uh, Rob, uh, so, uh, uh, yeah, Rob, uh, not Rob Lee, I've got his name's going out of my brain now again. Ollie Lee. Ollie Lee. Lee. Oh, yeah. yeah. Rob, Rob, Rob Lee's his dad, isn't it? Um, yeah. So, <laughs> uh, Ollie Lee. Uh, and, you know, he was a, a brilliant footballer, but Elliot Lee, wow, just unbelievable. There's something about him. Uh, but, very similar, I believe, to Notts County. They're, the problem, I think, with Wrexham lies in their, their defensive play. They seem really good going forward. They've got that young goalkeeper who's on loan from Arsenal. Um, but defensively, they just, you know, they, they, they went two goals down. And I think it was quite lucky that they got that that um, that first goal uh, quite quickly after, uh, after Matt Smith's second. But defensively, they just seem really poor. And, and I can't understand why that is because again you look at them last year they were they're really good they haven't had that many changes okay i know the goalkeepers changed but there's not been too much uh difference in that wrexham side and again with Salford city i mean i think they've they've actually underperformed this season i think their their players that they've got the quality of their squad again they should be playing up there this is the thing with league two though this year it is such an open league anyone can be anyone but we've got you know two teams here that Again, on paper, this should be, you know, um, quite a tight, close game. But it turned out to be really open. And um, I think oh, I did write this down here. Yeah, um, buying shots. There was uh, 31 shots both by both teams. You know, that's not generally that you're going to get that. Um, the possession was, I think, only a couple of percent in it, it. You know, so again, it was really tight, really close. Big shout out though, I must say, uh, has to go to to Wrexham because look, I mean, I've I've made a bet with a, a friend of mine saying that if Wrexham Wrexham won't get promoted this year, I've got to say it. Uh, but if they do, I will wear a Wrexham shirt in uh, the rain amend at Priestfield on the first day of next season. Please, Wrexham, don't get promoted. I don't want to get beaten up. Um, but but again, what the way they came back yesterday, they just. You know, as soon as they got that first goal, they didn't let their foot off the pedal. They kept pushing it and pushing at Salford, and eventually it, it, it cracked. You know, obviously it was in the 88 and 89th minute. Guys, did you manage to catch any of the highlights yourselves? Yeah, I did. And it's it's again, isn't it quite telling how both of the clubs that got promoted from the National League are very much having this kind of mantra of we will score more than you. It might work in the National League. It is not going to work in League Two. Yesterday. I actually want to give a big shout out to, um, you, you've already mentioned him, the young lad from Arsenal that Wrexham have got in goal. Arthur Oconquo, I think is how you pronounce the name. I really hope I didn't get that wrong. But yes, I want to give a big shout out to him because actually he he helped save them two points because obviously Salford had a chance right at the very end after uh, after Wrexham had scored their third in the 89th. He then had a, they then had a chance in Stoppage Town and I thought it was an absolutely brilliant, brilliant save to be able to keep, you know, keep Wrexham all three of those points. Look, I think it's, again, there's a fundamental issue with with Wrexham. And it was put down to Ben Foster in the first few weeks, you know, when he decided to hold his hands up and say, look, I'm not performing as well as you guys need. I'm stepping down. Huge respect for him for doing that. But the problem is, is their defensive woes haven't just suddenly been fixed by that. Uh, you know, the, the fact that 
they conceded two yesterday. Obviously, okay, they then kept a couple of clean sheets before then, but then they conceded three before then and five before that. They're just conceding so many goals again. Another team that have conceded 25 goals. This this matter of we will score more than you, you're really going to struggle to get into those automatics. I don't think Wrexham are going to get into the automatics personally, but I think they're, they're even going to struggle to make playoffs if they aren't able to sort themselves out defensively. We're having the same conversation that we've had about Notts County. They are two very similar uh, clubs in terms of their progression stage at this moment in time. Things have to be sorted and they have to be sorted now or else they'll only start slipping. So, again, could that potentially be a uh, Phil, uh, Phil Parkinson issue there uh, at the race course? Or is it a defensive issue? Is it a lack of leadership? Because, yeah, obviously, at the start of the season, Ben Foster did get quite a bit of slack uh, because of the amount of goals that Wrexham had conceded. But it's not really changed, and even with a new goalkeeper. So, Alex, I mean, again, do you, do you think that could just be down to management tactics and it is a case of we will score more than you to win a game? Or do, do you think it could be something else going on on the pitch? Oh, it's a tough one to put it down to Wrexham. You look at, obviously, we have the similar discussion about MK Dons. You look at that, and I think that is solely, you can see that. With Wrexham, I don't think you can. Um, I think a lot of Wrexham's issues come from their arrogance. Um, not just the fans, the players, when they came up, so, oh, we're going to walk League 2. There's an arrogance about them. They, they they truly believed they were going to be the best team in this league. And I, I just don't they anticipated how hard it would be um, to come up come back up into the Football League. Um, I don't... Look, I love Phil Parkinson as a manager. I think he's a fantastic manager. They've done very well to get him in the first place. Um, I think the issue may actually come from the type of football that he's dictated to play be that from the owners, be that from the fans, be that from anywhere. I think there's this sense around Wrexham where they have to go and be Hollywood, as as some people would like to say. Go out, score five goals, win in a flashy way and not win in that ugly League Two way that wins you League Two and gets you up to League One. Um, there is this sort of stage in every football club go from the National League to the dizzy heights of the Premier League, if you will, where you have to play football that isn't very attractive until you get to sort of top end of League One Championship and at the moment I don't think Wrexham are, are willing to accept that be that Parkinson himself or the owners well yes it could be that Wrexham are trying to be all Hollywood uh, obviously when you have a Disney plus uh, program going out live and guys I've got to just say this if you haven't seen it please go and look at the uh, the Wrexham's map of where the teams are located in the United Kingdom um, Interesting place, I must say, to put Everton as well. Uh, it's a great, great spot right out there on the North uh, Welsh coast. Uh, so, yes, obviously, as that stands, Wrexham are in fifth and we now have Salford obviously down in 15th place. Charlie, you're going to bring us our next game. This is Swindon Town versus Newport County. Swindon winning 2-0. So, Charlie, talk us through the game. Yeah, they did. It's uh, a, another impressive victory for, for Swindon and I think they'll be quite happy with that. I, I just want to pick out a few certain things with, with the Swindon-Newport game. So, first of all, when I watched back the game, trying to kind of prepare some notes for this, there was one key thing that stood out, and it stood out quite a few times and actually led to at least one of the goals, really, for, uh, for Swindon, was actually Newport playing this kind of high line, trying to play 
whether it's like an offside trap they're trying to play against Swindon. But actually, the problem was is that they weren't always in a line. Defensively, they were really, really mashed up to the point where you had one player five, ten yards sort of deeper than everybody else, playing everybody on side. And then the uh, Swindon get through and, and get towards a one-on-one, and he's spending the whole time just shouting for an offside. It's like, you're the one that's just stopped there to give, to give everybody the onside. I just thought from Newport, it was quite poor defensively. I think they should have been considerably better. You know, that they had chances in the game, but I think Swindon, they, you know, they gave Swindon the opportunities that they needed. Swindon weren't going to need a second invitation and they got the goals. And it comes down to the fine margins, but I don't really think you can say anything other than the fact that Swindon were simply the better side and are able to take advantage. Um, I also just want to sort of mention uh, Dan Kemp. I think the fact that MK Dons let him go on loan to Swindon is absolutely crazy. I think he's one of the best players in this league. I think he, like I say, unbelievably brilliant in that kind of number 10 role. And he's been being able to prove it this season so far for Swindon. And another goal for him yesterday. I think he should be really happy with himself. And I think the Swindon fans should be really happy with how they played yesterday. After the two losses before before this game, it's it's a good opportunity for them now to get back into winning ways and hopefully pick up a bit of a run of form. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Alex, I'm going to throw this question over to you. Don't worry, it's not about Swindon. Uh, <laughs> but Newport, I mean, uh, look, when you look at Newport over the last few weeks, uh, obviously lost 2-0 yesterday. Uh, they uh, lost 2-1 to Harrogate uh, uh, last Saturday. Um, they beat Colchester, but Colchester went down uh, down a player. But then again, they lost 2-1 to South. And it kind of feels like they're close but they're not there yet. And obviously, at the moment, they're quite lowly, obviously, in the, in the league. I think it's down at 20th at the moment. Really, the question here is, I mean, do you fear for Newport County? Is it, is it one-way traffic? Are they only going to be going down? Or do you feel that somewhere, uh, like Charlie said, obviously, with their back line pressing so high up, do, do you think that this could eventually work for them? I, I, don't, I don't think Newport fans have anything to fear, I'll be honest. They're, you know... They're a club that don't. I don't want to offend anyone, but I don't think they're a club that are expected to be up there. They are just sort of, let's say, happy in the middle of the pack, and that's exactly where I expect them to be. Which is why in games like this, then you'll see them in in throughout the season, sort of try different things, see what they can they can build, and ultimately they're, they're one of these clubs that I think. At some point, it will click. They'll find exactly what works for them, and then they'll shock everyone and go on a, on a run and get into the playoffs or or automatics. I don't think it'll be this season, um, but I think they are in a sort of comfortable stage in league two, looking to put the right things in place to move on up and hopefully start pushing towards the top end of the table. They're not going to be any sort of danger. Um, if they carry on and performances don't start improving, they don't start picking up these results that they need to pick up, then maybe that opinion changes. But right now, I think they're just a club that are confident in the fact that they will pick up enough points to be away from the relegation battle this season. Okay. Um, Charlie, I'm going to throw this one then back over to you. So, uh, look, Michael Flynn obviously coming into uh, Swindon there. He's really got that team playing really, really well. There seems to be a real unity between that team. 
Uh, is that, do you think, down to Michael Flynn? Or do you, do you just think, you know, is that, that just a great group of players that are just naturally bonded? Or, you know, I, I, for me personally, I just feel that his input in that team has, has really given them something a little bit extra special. Yeah, absolutely. I think at the end of the day, you can have all of the car parts to build a Lamborghini, but unless you've got the mechanic to put it all together, what's the point? And I think that's that's the whole thing with Michael Flynn. He's come in, he's been able to get all of those players firing to a top level and to the point, like I say, where they're playing some really, really good football. Obviously, the results over the last sort of few weeks haven't exactly been perfect, but I do think that yesterday could be a real catalyst, a real sort of fire, fire starter um, for Swindon to be able to go and, and get as, you know, keep on climbing the table. They're already in the playoff places and I'm struggling to see them slowing down after this week. I just, it may just have been a one-off, but I really don't see it to be the case. And I really think they're going to continue to pick up now. Um, and yeah, I feel like if you're playing them in the near future, you have to be worried. Okay. Well, I'm going to throw this question at both of you then. Uh, just again, a nice little yes or no one. Uh, obviously after missing out last year, uh, Swindon, are they uh, promotion potential? Potential, yes. Automatics might be a little bit tough because I think there are still three clubs who I would personally put above them. But I definitely do think that they'll be top seven. Putting Alex? all of them aside, um, I, I, it pains me to say this, I <laughs> do enjoy the football that's written in the plan at the moment. Um, and I do think that, a bit like Charlie said, I think automatics is a little bit too much of a stretch. But there's no reason why they can't get into the playoffs. And I think, I'll be honest, if they get into the playoffs, they have every chance of winning it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, I've got to say, uh, again, as a Gillingham fan myself, uh, it, it does pain me to say, but I, I think that Swindon team, especially with Michael Flynn uh, coaching them, that that's a special team and they should be up there come the end of the season. So, yes, as the game finished yesterday, 2-0 uh, to Swindon. Swindon finish in sixth and not sport county sorry newport county sorry uh in 20th uh so we're going to move on to the next game this is harrogate town versus stockport this was harrogate town one stockport three alex your thoughts on the game please um you know what it's it's the result i expected massively um overall stockport went there and did their job and that's exactly the whole the whole impetus of the game that I got from them was that when they did their job, Harrogate, I, I want to have positives to say about their performance, I really do, but I think the Stockport first, Stockport first goal is poor from them, you know, the lads got no reason to be scoring from there, it's, it's poor from Harrogate's point of view, the second goal, you can say it's unlucky, you know, it's come off the defender, it's gone in, but again, really, should you be in that position, there, I don't think you can. And the third one, when you talk about being in relegation battles, you want, and you know, I've said it as a fan, I'm sure both of us have said it as a fan, and even you, Charlie, in that when you're, when you're, when Harrogate fans know they're going to be in a dogfight again this season, they were last season, I expect them to be this season. You want players fighting for the badge, you know, winning their 50 50s and going into it and making it an 80 20. Miller's goal, he, he's, he's jumped. A foot above the centre half to head it in, 
you know, if that if that if I'm a um, Harrogate fan, I'm fuming at that third goal. And look, yes, they got. I don't think it's a penalty personally. I think that's a very very soft penalty. It's a League Two penalty, I'd say, um, to get their consolation goal. But yeah, I know you're playing a team that's just gone top of the league. But for me, there wasn't enough fight. There wasn't enough desire, and they they didn't show enough of that. I, I that they want to be in this league and that. Even to be fair, wanting to be playing for the shirt, I'll be honest. No, that's fair enough. Uh, well, Charlie, that I'm gonna uh, gonna focus next question then uh, at you and just bear with me for a minute just whilst I, I, I read out a couple of things. So, uh, Stockport first game of the season was against obviously the greatest football team in the world, Gillingham Football Club, uh, and we beat them and uh, we are massive, we beat them one nil. Uh, but then they played Walsall, they lost two one, uh, they drew with Bradford one all. Uh, they beat Barrow, but then they lost to Mansfield. Uh, they drew with uh, Crawley. Um, why is it that Stockport always seem to be so slow at the start of the season? Why is it, you know, if you look at last season, for instance, especially, it, it took them a while to get going. Um, at, you know, what is it with Stockport we're getting so? Because, I mean, they're really starting to show their quality now, but those first few games, they just didn't really turn up, did they? No, and I, sometimes you just sit there and wonder whether there's a, a confidence issue in the camp coming out of pre-season and, and going into the, the start of the season. But at the same time, you kind of read out those teams and they are all teams, or maybe not all, but most are teams that you actually expect to be up there fighting. They actually had quite a tough start, I think, on paper. I mean, look at you know them playing against you guys first game of the season. I had both you and them in my pre-season predictions for automatics. I know your your heads don't need to get too big too soon, you know, but um, I very much had that as a prediction. To that, for that then to be the first game of the season, it, it was sort of quite quite laughable. And obviously, yeah, you guys edged it out. And then, like I say, they, they lost to Warsaw, a little bit disappointed. But obviously, they beat Barrow in there, good result. They drew to Crawley, yes, but Crawley were, you know, on, on a really, really good, good, good run at the time. And they were, they, you know, they were in the playoffs at that position, weren't they? And they were, they were really overachieving what I think a lot of people expected Crawley to do. And then, you know, uh, I think it's a Bradford in there and such like that. Look, they played some really, really good teams to start off, and now they're. I, th I think it was always going to be a matter of time, and then as soon as they could and started firing, they weren't going to stop. And I think that's the thing with Stockport is that now that they're in this great run of form. You're just struggling to see where the next loss is coming from. And it's a really positive position to be in for them. Obviously, you know, when you, when you think about their last five games, they've managed to beat Accrington Stanley away from home. And Accrington are going to be a team that are close to, if not in the playoffs, by the end of the season. They beat Wrexham at home 5-0. I mean, you know, then they beat Forest Green Rovers, Doncaster and, and Harrogate, teams that, okay, maybe you would expect them to be. But like you say, at the start of the season, they weren't necessarily beating those teams you'd expect them to. So the fact they are now, I just think that once they got firing, they're always going to continue. And that's what we're seeing now. And the sky really is a limit for them right now. The new year is now upon us and tis the season for planning your next holiday adventure. Whether you're traveling to Germany for the Euros, France for the Olympics, or taking your partner or kids 
on a much needed break to the Balearic Islands, downloading NordVPN is a must. NordVPN allows you to watch all sporting events, TV shows and films which are not available in your region by switching your location in just a click to one which is showing the content. So if you're away with the family and miss the pain of watching the EFL team you love the most, concede in the last minute due to a dodgy refereeing decision, then NordVPN is a service for you. NordVPN also acts as your cyber bodyguard whilst online by protecting your personal data and other sensitive information like card details and passwords from falling into the wrong hands. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash real EFL. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee and you'll help support our podcast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. For just the price of one cup of coffee per month, you can download NordVPN today and use it across six, yes, six different devices, one for the whole family. So a massive thank you to NordVPN for supporting this podcast and you can too by going to nordvpn.com forward slash real EFL to get a discount. The link is in the description. Away days are great, especially when your striker bags a last minute winner. But there's nothing quite like playing at home. And do you know what? The same goes for McDonald's. Why not maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery? Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Well, Alex, I'm going to get this next question then for you. And it's quite a simple one. I, I only uh, was doing my my research, obviously, on the games themselves. And I was reading a few of sort of the Harrogate fans' tweets and some of their maybe concerns that they sent out afterwards. And, and it's really a nice, simple question for you. Is Simon Weaver the man for the job to make sure Harrogate don't go down this year? I think it'd be harsh to say no. Uh, I I I don't know. I don't I don't think he's the problem. I think Harrogate's problem is the their squad is probably just about good enough for League Two. And I think if you're in that position where you're just about good enough for League Two, there's every chance you'll be down there in a relegation dogfight. And that's where your manager kind of sets you apart. I don't want to say no. I think it's too early for me to to judge that. Um, what I will say is almost losing Luke Armstrong is actually had a worse effect than if they would have actually lost him. Because now they've got a player that's openly said, I want to go and play for Wrexham, that's stuck at their club. And I got a sense that when they played against Jules and he was on the pitch, he didn't want to be there. Um, I don't know if Harrogate fans would agree with that, but I just get the feeling that that's actually hindered them more than helped them him staying. And I have no doubts he'll go in January if they reinvest that money well, then they'll be more than safe. But at the moment, I think their issues go further than the manager. I think it's more the parade around the club than him. Okay, yeah, well, that's a fair enough statement. Uh, look, as it stands, that's Harrogate uh, are in the 17th place. We have Stockport obviously topping the table at the moment in first. Uh, so, yeah, on to the next game. This is Crew Alexander uh, versus Tranmere. Crew Alexander uh, extended their unbeaten run uh, to a record of 14 games at home with goals from Mickey Dimitriou and uh, Chris Long. Sorry, it, were, it, it was enough to heap more misery on Nigel Adkins' men. Uh, they also had uh, goals. Uh, goalkeeper Luke McGee sent off for diving to save the ball outside of his area. Um the resulting free kick actually led to Crew's second goal. Uh, Tom Davis also received his marching orders for Tranmere uh, with a second bullock of ball offence in the dying moments of the game as well. Look, uh, 
crew were I mean, really the only way of putting it, crew were, were comfortable. I mean, Tranmere didn't really sort of uh didn't really turn up for me. Uh I, th I think I've seen them play better before. They just didn't really turn up yesterday and it was quite poor, I, I feel. Um, but with crew, there seems to be a real unity and togetherness. Um and Again, it just looked like the complete opposite with Tranmere. Again, I don't know what you guys feel if you managed to catch any of the highlights, but um, yeah, it just seemed for me like Tranmere were kind of not there really wanting to play yesterday. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I've caught some of the highlights. Um, the main one being the red card goalkeeper. Now, if you haven't seen that, go and watch it. It's a fantastic save. Look, you've got to say, it's an amazing save, uh, just proportionally outside of the area. Um Again, look, Tranmere weren't at the races. Uh, again, I don't think they're a side that are going to be up there. So, with that, they're going to have weekends where they're not at the races and they just don't look like they're there. Full credit to crew. They are a very good side at home. And there is a reason that there's reports that their manager is on Bradford's wish list for their new boss. Um, he's got them playing very good football and he is making um, their home ground a real fortress uh, at the moment and look I, I I would have never said this at the start of the season but they are an outside chance at the moment if they can keep their home form up they've, they've got more than an outside chance of playoffs if not sneaking into that third place yeah I mean it's obviously it's, it's 14 games on beaten at home for crew which is obviously quite some some record to, to, to go for them um uh, Charlie, I'm going to throw this question towards you uh, actually about Tranmere here. So, again, doing my research, doing my digging, um, looking at sort of the Tranmere squad uh, and who they've got available. Really simply, I think, put the best way I can put this question to you is could Tranmere's Football League status really rely on them having a good January transfer window? Look, I think, I think potentially. But I, I also kind of worry. I don't want to fall into the trap of being too reactive after... You know, a loss yesterday against a team that are that are currently high flying, and like Alex said, could could be an outside chance. Look, they struggled at the start of the season. We know that. You know that they, they had a run of what six losses. I, but actually, the last five games have not done too badly. A couple of wins in there, a draw. You know that they've lost against AFC Wimbledon again, another team who are close to the playoffs, and again, you know, losing to Crew, who are actually performing really, really well. So I, I try not to sort of be too reactive with them. Do I think they're going to need to recruit in January? Absolutely. I think, you know, the, the fact that they've not had an outfield player or, or a player full stop sort of play the full 90 minutes in every single match kind of says it all. I think Tom Davies was at, is actually closest. Um, yeah, they need, they definitely need to recruit. They need to bring in some players. They need to bring in some solid, solid League Two experience, I think. And maybe a couple of more exciting players, some exciting youngsters. They've got a reasonably old squad in terms of the players who get the most amount of minutes. So actually, probably a couple of younger players that are also able to create something out of nothing. So I feel like that's actually what Tranmere lack. It's that ability on the ball when things aren't necessarily going their way, just to be able to create something in a game that isn't really showing anything at all. That's what I feel like they need. So yes, I do agree. But I don't think that they're going to be bottom two come the end of the season. No, I mean, look, obviously I watched the, I actually watched the extended highlights and 
there were some good moments I did see in there, but it just said it just for me, it feels like there is something really missing with that Tranmere team. And, you know, look, I, this is why I thought I'd ask you the question and, and put it out there. Where do we, you know, do we feel they could rely on, on the January transfer window? And, and, and I generally think, I think if, as long as, you know, they're not right down the bottom and, and cast aside, I do think there are other teams that, again, that are going to be worse than them. But if they can, you know, do well in, in the January transfer window, I think they'll actually start coming back up the league table. And they're, they're, at the moment, it's kind of almost a false position, I feel, that they're in. Um, look, Alex, I'm going to come to you to this next question. You have pretty much answered it. But, I mean, I, I had literally written down here um, three words. Crew, promotion candidates? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, if they keep hold of their manager. I've got a sneaky suspicion. Now, let me just reiterate this. This is merely opinion. And there is there is no rumours or well there is rumours but there's nothing concrete behind what I'm about to say. Um I've got a suspicion that Bradford will come and snatch their manager um and that will derail them. If they keep hold of him, every chance. But if he goes elsewhere, then I I think that will make the wheels fall off a little bit. I don't think it'll derail them to, you know, relegation battle, but it will put them sort of mid table. Wow. Yeah, fair enough. Well, uh, so obviously currently as it stands, Crew are in fourth and Tranmere are unfortunately down there near the bottom uh, at 21st. So next up, we have got Grimsby versus Accrington Stanley. Charlie, this one's on you. So it was Grimsby Town nil, Accrington Stanley 2. Talk us about the game. Yeah, so... Obviously, because I am a Lincoln fan, I will just say that uh, Accrington were absolutely amazing. Grimsby, absolutely woeful. Uh, that's it. Yep. Yeah. Wrap up done. Grim, Grimsby, are terrible. No. Uh, good, no. Good night, everyone. Thank yeah. you for watching. <laughs> uh, all right. Now I need to make sure I don't get any angry comments. Uh, no. Look, I think Grimsby, Grimsby were poor yesterday. I think they, they had their opportunities. They didn't take them. And they gave Accrington a couple too many. Saying that, though. Accrington had two shots on target, and both of those were the goals, obviously. The first goal from Sean Wally, I don't know if you guys have seen it, but wow, that is an incredible, incredible goal. From a good distance, he just hits it. I mean, the keeper has potentially got to do better, because uh, there was another one, you know, Jake Eastwood, there was another one a little bit later on in the game as well, um, where another player, I can't actually remember exactly who it was for Accrington, but also hit the crossbar. I just felt again that the keeper didn't really look very comfortable. Um, but look, the game the game changed really with the red card for Luke Waterfall, and it's not exactly uncommon, is it, that we sit here and talk about a red card for Luke Waterfall? I think that's his fourth for Grimsby now. Um, second yellow, definitely, it definitely was a second yellow, so it was definitely a red. You know, at the end of the day, you cannot be doing that when you're nil nil at home to a team who you know Accrington are always going to give. Any team in this league are going to struggle against Accrington because it's a John Coleman side in League Two. They know exactly what they're doing. You can't be giving them a 10-men side to play against. You just cannot be doing that. So it's inexcusable, really, from Luke Waterfall. Then they got the goal literally two minutes later, i say through Sean Wally, and then they managed to get another one through Josh Andrews on the 82nd. And at that point, that was it, game over. Like I said, Grimsby had a couple of chances. You know, They had two shots on target themselves. They had more of the ball. But they struggled to necessarily do enough with it. And I think it was ultimately really poor. But again, Accrington, they knew what they were doing. They went away from home. 
They set up well. They set up in their typical sort of 4-2-3-1. And they managed to get the two goals and the three points. And that's all they need. And like I say, a John Coleman side in League Two, they know what they're doing. Any team will struggle. Yeah, I mean, like, as you said, your John Coleman sides in League Two, you know they're going to come at you, especially when you go down to 10 men. Alex, yeah. so uh, look, I've got, I've got to ask you this question, and it, this is kind of a more of a general question, but obviously that, I don't know if you saw the incident, but the Luke Wolf incident yesterday, it was, you know, he's played the man, not the ball. He's already on a booking. It's late in the game. Why do you think these professional footballers make these silly mistakes when they're on their yellow cards like this? Because there was a couple yesterday where players were already on a booking and, and then they made a silly little challenge and ended up, obviously, ended up uh, getting sent off. And ultimately, Luke Walkfall getting sent off, uh, you know, it's always, on 72 minutes has cost his team that game. So why do you think these players have that rush of blood moment? I'm, unfortunately, I haven't seen, seen yesterday's one. But in terms of the, the mentality behind it, um, Look, having having played football myself, when you're on a booking, it's it's not the front of your mind. You you're just you're still playing football. You're still on the pitch. Yeah, maybe. The thing is, uh, any professional sport. So if we're talking F1, to take it away from football just slightly, one split bit of thinking twice, you could end up in a wall. It's the same in football. One decision where you maybe think twice about what you're going to do, the other team could go and score. So you can't have in the back of your mind that you're on a booking. It can be there. Sometimes you maybe stay on your feet a little bit more. But in terms of making a silly little challenge, a lot of the time when you see players make it, they'll get up, they'll plead their case or they'll look like they know exactly what they've done because the realisation doesn't hit you until you've made that mistake. No, no, fair enough. Again, it's just one of these things that, you know, you, you see it a lot and 90% of the time, you you know, you, you say when you see a, a player who's already got a book in and they go to make that challenge, you, you know straight away the ref's going to be going into his pocket and they're going to be giving you marching orders. And ultimately, yeah, as uh, Charlie said earlier, that was that was definitely the big turning moment in the game. Um, so, Charlie, I'm going to throw this next question over to you. So, uh, look, when you look at the Acton squad there, I mean, that's a really, really good, talented squad. And look, I don't want to be disrespectful when I say this, but when you say the name Atkins and Stanley, you don't think great football club. But do you think these players are going there because of John Coleman uh, to be able to work with such a talented manager? Or, you know, what do you think kind of if they're going there for the project? What do you believe it, it could be there? Yeah, I, th- I think that's obviously sort of the mix of, of a lot of the different things. Um, but I think the fact that many people expect Atkins to be, to be up there uh, and potentially chasing something this season is probably the biggest kind of drawing. You know, they, they've already got, they already did have when they came down a really, really solid squad that you just know would be able to perform in League Two. So the fact that then they were able to add to that said a lot. You look at some of the players, for example, that they kept, I mean, Tommy Lee, being able to keep Tommy Lee in uh, in League Two is brilliant. I, You know, I, I there was many rumours and I know that Lincoln were looking at him in the summer. We didn't end up getting it, so you know, or whether we were or not, who actually knows? But yeah, he's stayed at Accrington, and again, he's performing at the top level already. Three goals, two assists this season. He's the sort of player that in League Two is going to be able to absolutely thrive. And what's probably happened has been—I would suspect, you know, I don't know, but I would suspect that in that kind of a situation, conversations were had along the lines of, "Look, just give us this season." This time next season, we may be talking about Accrington struggling in League Two because they haven't got half the squad that they do now. 
But at the minute, they've probably said to their players, look, give us a season. Let's see where we can get. And if we're back in League One, you can all get bloody pay rises. <laughs> it, there is probably that kind of aspect to it. And I think they've got, a re- again, a really, really good chance. Um, and it's weird because I feel like we're talking about every single game. And in almost every game, there is a team that we're saying, oh, they, sh- they might be in top seven by the end of the season. So there's going to be so many, so many fans that are disappointed. But again, I would not be too surprised to see Accrington up there. No, absolutely. I, I I think I fully agree with you on that front. Um, you know, when you look at actually when you look at the league this year, honestly, I even right now it's so hard to call because I, I think it's it was ridiculous. It's like nine points separate, you know, pretty much most of the league. It's it's ridiculous. But look, as as it stands uh, after yesterday's game, Accrington are in ninth, and we've got Grimsby Town who currently sit in eighteenth. Well, uh, next up we have uh, uh we have uh. Uh, AFC Wimbledon versus uh, Bradford. Uh, that was yesterday, Alex. I know you're going to be talking about this. Um, it was one 0 to Bradford City, wasn't it? Uh, the final score. Yeah. Uh, look, when when you see the game on on paper and someone says to you one 0 win in League Two, you think not a very exciting game, not a lot to speak about. This game couldn't be further from that. Right, and I think Bradford were very, very lucky to take all three points. Um, Wimbledon, for me, had the better chances. Yeah, you could say they need to be a bit more clinical. I think they hit the post three or four times. They had an countless amount of chances. Lewis has made two fantastic saves, um, which, of course, you pay your goalkeeper to do. But on another day, they they rifle straight in. Look. Osadebe, I think I've said that right. He's taken his goal really, really well. And ultimately, Bradford have, have held their lead. But they were very lucky. Wimbledon looked fantastic. They looked the much better side. And I'll be honest, Bradford, for a team that many, obviously the playoffs last year, a team that many expect to be back up there this season, obviously just got rid of Mark Hughes as well, didn't really look that good considering some of the players they've sent out alone as well two other League 2 clubs I I think I don't see them anywhere near the playoffs as it stands, don't see them getting anywhere near the playoffs and Wimbledon despite losing yesterday, I think there's a lot of positives they can take, I know their fans would have gone home very disappointed but if they look at the performance as a whole, they, they are looking a very, very good side and a very good outfit um, who could, again, it, we've gone for every game saying that there could be a team that go up there. I think Wimbledon have, have every chance to, to be right up there. If they play like that on another day, they, they win 3 or 4 nil. Yeah, again, I, I watched the highlights and I, and I totally get what you said there. Um, you know, Wimbledon, I think, will feel quite hard done by that they actually lost that game 1-0. Um, but, Charlie, look, I'm going to throw this uh, question back over to you. It's, it's unfortunately, it's another manager question here. <laughs> I thought but, this um, one was coming. Yeah, well, you know, we, 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 me and Alex need to stay impartial when it comes to managers at the moment, seeing as we don't have one. Um, <laughs> so, so, look, I think for me, uh, Mark Hughes, obviously, again, it was a big name when he went to Bradford. It was definitely sort of, again, it's marquee signing that you'd kind of want almost. Big name, big manager come in. What went wrong for him? And uh, where can you see Bradford going next? It's a really, really difficult one with Bradford because, look, 
we all know that Bradford are a big club. There's no, you know, there's no denying that fact. There's no hiding from that fact. But sometimes that's both a blessing and a curse. Because actually, if you're not performing and, you know, if you're not top of the table or or in the automatic promotions places 10, 10 games in, then questions start being had. You know, and, and I, look, Bradford, do I think they're going to be get promoted this season? Honestly, No. You know, they've picked up a couple of wins now, um, you know, a couple of 1-0 wins as well. So they're obviously been able to change to the point where they're, they're a little bit more resolute at the back compared to what they were under uh, under its um, it's McDonald, isn't it? Play, uh, the um, caretaker manager at the minute, player manager, I do believe. And look, they're going to need a manager in quickly. Like I said, don't get me wrong, he's doing well. They're able to be resolute at the back, but they're all only scoring very few as well. And like you say, Wimbledon were really the better side yesterday. And on another day, that game could have been a 3-0 to Wimbledon. And I think that's the big kind of worry yesterday. The result was there, was the performance. And those sorts of things aren't sustainable. So again, they need to get a manager in quickly. I think in terms of sort of who they get, it's a really difficult one. I know, um, I'll be honest, when they when it sort of first came out that they had relieved Mark Hughes of his duties, um, a lot of people were linking Danny Cowley with Bradford. Now, as a, as a Lincoln fan, you know, I have a lot of respect for Danny Cowley. He he brought us to where we are now. You know, everybody loves the man for that. Don't get me wrong. Well, both him and Nicky, the brothers. But I don't think he would suit Bradford. I've got to be honest. I feel like he's better when he's able to reignite a fan base rather than have to effectively challenge against a big fan base, which I think any manager that goes into Bradford has to have the bottle to be able to to go and sort of win a fan base over rather than build up a fan base. And I think that's something that Danny Cowley just might struggle with a little bit. Um, Again, Bradford, they're going to have to perform well and they're going to have to do it quickly. I don't think they're going to be up there, um, but obviously they're not going to be down there. I think... The, this manager appointment is massive for them. It sets them up for the next two or three seasons because if they make the wrong appointment, they're going to lose a couple of seasons of progression and who knows where they'll be. No, I, I totally agree again with you there. I think it's really key that, that, that like Gillingham, they get their management uh, spot on. Um, look, I, I would like to, you know, you're right, I think I'd like to see, you know, potentially someone like a, maybe a Danny Cowley type, but maybe not mm. necessarily Danny Cowley Art to Bradford, um, but it would be a big, attractive position, I'm sure. Um, Alex, look, I'm going to jump on to ASC Wimbledon now because, um, do you know what? I, I didn't actually realize this that was only their second loss yesterday, and again, they look like a real team that are going strong. Johnny Jackson, he's making making wonders work there at ASC Wimbledon, and again, um, do you think he could be a manager that? Could be tempted to go elsewhere with because considering with what he's done uh, with Wimbledon, I don't think he. I don't think uh, he will be. Um, I think if you look at Wimbledon as a club, there's history there already. Um, you know, and in, he got them playing very, very good football. And in terms of, as you say, that's that's only their second loss this season. The football they're playing is fantastic. Why would he? You know, if he goes in there and. He takes a Wimbledon side that last season didn't really light the world on fire and takes them to even, let's let's say they do get promoted, takes them to promotion. That on his CV is going to be fantastic for him. He's going to be adorned by the fan base. And I'll be honest, the football they're playing is fantastic. I had the pleasure of watching them in, in the cup against Chelsea. Um, and 
on that day, I think they, they easily could, they, let's say 60 minutes of that game, looked the better side and easily could have taken that. So, looking, looking at it as a whole, um, I, I don't think he'd be tempted away. Could Brad? I don't think Bradford would be in for him. If there's a big club in League One that's looking for a manager, maybe. But then I don't think a big club that's looking for a manager in League One goes for for him. So unless it's a, a substantial offer, I don't think he leaves. I think he stays, sees it through, gets the promotion on his CV, and then maybe starts to, you know, dance with a few other offers. Yes, well, obviously, if somebody maybe does does come calling, maybe that might be enough to tempt him. But yeah, as you said, he's done absolutely brilliant there at AFC Wimbledon. Uh, so currently, as it stands, we have AFC Wimbledon in eighth and Bradford City are currently in 11th. So we're on to the last game of the day. This is uh, definitely one for the neutrals. This was Doncaster 4, Sutton United 1. Charlie, I believe you've watched it and you're going to give us a bit of information. Tell us about the game. Yeah, so it was it was another game with a scoreline like that that you just sit back and think, what on earth is going on in this league? I mean, look, we know that Sutton United are bottom of the league. Um, they were bottom of the league, I believe, even before the game. Uh, actually, no, because I think Forest Green were on uh, goal defence, actually. Yeah. Yeah, so, Forest Green were yeah, bottom on goal defence. They, they certainly were. But not after yesterday with a 5-0 victory for Forest Green and the 4-0 loss for Sutton, which only came a week, uh, 4-1 loss, sorry, for Sutton, which only came a week after they beat Walsall 4-0. Yeah, look, the game yesterday, Doncaster, if anything, they actually needed this as a bit of a confidence booster. They are a team who aren't really able to get any kind of consistency. They're a team that really struggled at the start of the season and conceded a lot. So being able to put four past a competitor in this league is a huge little bonus for them. Um, again, I mean, I would just like to put so much praise on Joe Ironside. I think he is an absolutely brilliant acquisition for Doncaster that they made in the summer. I think he's a perfect striker for League Two. You know, this this yesterday was his uh, fourth goal in as many games. And he got, and he got two, bear in mind. You know, one of them, yes, okay, being a penalty. But this is my thing with... Somebody like Joe Ironside and some some a team like Doncaster, he's exactly what they need. Somebody who they can get the ball up to. Somebody who's able to put the ball in the back of the net from you know really very little. And I think this is the thing. Doncaster very much struggled to create and also struggled to keep the ball uh, and you know not give away silly chances so far this season. But yesterday they were able to do that. Sutton did get a late goal. You know they they got a goal in the 99th minute through Harry Smith. Obviously, the game was already over. He did not celebrate at all. He just simply walked away when it went in. Um, I actually thought it was quite poor defending from Doncaster to allow that goal in. But it's, again, not something that they necessarily need to worry about too much. But, yeah, four goals for Doncaster. Mo Fowle, as well, deserves a great mention. He got his goal. He also won the penalty. It was a definite, definite penalty for Doncaster. I don't there could be any arguments for that, um, as far as I'm concerned. And, yeah, obviously, they got the four goals. 4-1 four, victory. Just looked a little bit too easy, and Sutton really have to start looking at themselves and questioning what's going wrong week in, week out. Yeah, they really do. I mean, um, Alex, I've got to ask you. Uh, look, I know we're only eleven games into the season, uh, but is it looking but dark, and is it looking bad for Sutton United? Absolutely, at the moment. Um, 
you know, I don't think they, off the top of my head, and this could be wrong, they haven't won a game away from home this season. Um, remind me very much of um, that Jules side before the Gallantons came in. Couldn't buy a win, can't win away from home. Everything's a little bit doom and gloom, which surprises me. Because when I've watched Sutton this season, I, especially at home, I think they've looked quite, they've got, if they play their style of play well, they can beat teams. They're hard to beat. They've got two very, very, they've got big men in their side, which, you know, if you go and impose that on your opposition, they, they can start picking up points. But uh, I don't, I think it's, it's a very slippery slope they're on. And unless they start looking at themselves and answering some questions, they are my favourites at the moment to go down. I don't think that's going to change. I don't think their recruitment was very good in the summer. Um, you know, Scott Cashkett came in, a player that we know quite well. He, he simply isn't good enough, let's be honest. Um, the only signing that they made that really made me think, oh, OK, that's a really good signing for them, was Aidan O'Brien. But he's been sort of non-existent since. And I think January could be massive for them. But I think their right could be on the wall before we even get there. No, I, I, I don't know what I've got to say. I totally agree with you in, in terms of the, the similarities I see with uh, with Gillingham sort of pre-Gallantons before the Gallantons came in. Obviously, we had to live through, you know, three months of Gillingham only scoring seven goals. You know, we 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 really struggled and there were some long away trips uh, that, we, that we all went on. And, yeah, I, I do fear for Sutton. I, I Again, it's it's not, I don't want anything to obviously... If I could have it my way, no teams would get relegated. I, I, I like the football league as it is. Uh, but, look, you know, I do fear for them. But the one thing I will say, Doncaster yesterday, they really showed that if they actually apply themselves in games, uh, they can actually really go at it. And, Charlie, I, I feel that I think Joe Ironside has got to be, um, and I'm, this is going to be a bold statement, only a few games into the season, but I've got to say, I think he's got to be one of the sort of Doncaster's best signings definitely this year. Yeah, absolutely. As he's I said, not... I, was, I was really, really was... impressed when I saw that they'd signed him. And a good friend of mine is a Doncaster fan. And as soon as I had seen it, I just messaged him and said, you're winning the league, mate. Now, um, because I genuinely do think he's perfect for a team in League Two, and I think he's perfect for a team like Doncaster. They they need your out and out striker, somebody like a Joe Ironside, to be able to just put balls in the back of the net. I feel like sometimes that's what that's what Doncaster have have slightly been missing in recent seasons, and it's the reason they struggled in League One. They just weren't scoring enough. It was as simple as that, and they obviously didn't get the points on the board because of it. And now in League Two, you know that that I just feel like now. They're going to be able to get a bit of a run together. I feel like promotion, you know, anywhere near that's going to be a little bit too high for them. It's going to be a bit too much of a of a stretch. But I do feel like if they can just sort their consistency issues out, then you know, who knows where it could take them. They've got Tranmere, Salford, Grimsby, Wimbledon all coming up. You know, all four teams that are going to are going to be tough. Obviously, Tranmere probably the easiest of the four there. But then, you know, if they can get if they can get you know, let, let's be honest, if they can get seven points from those next four, don't get me wrong, and that is a push, but if they can get seven points on that next four, then I don't think you're, we're having any conversations about Doncaster being down there at the end of the season, and I don't think we'll be having conversations about them being up there either, but it just it's just going to be able to solidify their place. 
And then January rolls around, and who knows? Because Doncaster, you know, they are a good size club. They're going to be able to bring in some players. And if they can show that they're on a good run of form and, you know, that there's a clear process being built by Grant McCann, which I think they're starting to show now, then people are going to want to go to them. And then who knows? Again, it's a real kind of, I feel like 13 matches into the season, and we've said it, we've sort of said a lot of things along this line so far on this podcast today. I think 13 games into the season, this is a real sort of crossroads for a lot of teams now. It's they're going to need to be able to start picking up points. They're going to need to, you know, sort managers out. They're going to they're going to need to be able to sort out their inconsistencies because coming up to January, it's the sort of thing that players look at. Players aren't going to be wanting to sign in League Two for a team that are down near the bottom. And this is my issue with Sutton. If Sutton are, are you know, almost 10 points adrift, let's say, coming into January, which it's not exactly that out there, is it? If they, that they could be. But if they are, then suddenly, who's going to want to sign for them? You're going to get National League players who say, well, you know, I, I think I'm ready for the step up, but what's the point of signing for you guys if in six months' time I'm back where I am? So it's real difficult to recruit if you're not performing and you're not on a good run and you're not looking like you're going somewhere. There's no process. So teams now really need to start figuring out what are they, what are they going to be able to do this season and get things fixed pretty darn quickly again. And like I say, major crossroads now. Yeah, I think, I think it is. And um, look, as I said, I, I don't want to, you know, badmouth any team. And, but I do fear for Sutton. But I do think, you know, if Donny, as you said, if they can invest well in, in January, I think they're going to be a really good solid mid-table team. And mm-hmm. hopefully then next season potentially really push on with the players that they've got and maybe even challenge for a promotion playoff. But look, I've said it once uh, on this podcast with the way that the League Two is going this year. It's been absolutely crazy. But look, we'll finish off with that game. So uh, the uh, final league positions there were Doncaster are in 19 and currently holding up the entire EFL are Sutton United. Well, look, guys, we have come to the end of our podcast, our very first show. I hope you've made it all the way through to this point. I hope you've enjoyed it. Please give us a comment. Please drop us a like. Uh, Charlie, I would like to say goodbye to you. Goodbye. Thank you for having me. Alex, goodbye. Goodbye. Love the chills. And from, and from everyone at the VFL, thank you so much for watching, guys. We will see you next week. It's the 90th minute and all your mates around watching your team on iFollow. You've got your McNugget share box on the go. And you know what? Your mates already got booked for double dipping. But then later on, you steal in, grab the last nugget and snatch all three points. Perfect. Why not order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app? Are you in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.